The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory, Glory to, to you, O Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you O Christ. Christ. You may be seated. <coughs> Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we could not thank you enough for this day. We thank you for raising our Lord Jesus from the grave and therefore making all things possible for us. Thank you for forgiving us all of our sins, for granting us free salvation, eternal life, healing, anointing, and righteousness. All that we have is a free gift from you. And so we simply respond this day, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for a beautiful day on which to gather in worship and fellowship and to celebrate. You have been better to us, indeed, than we have been to ourselves. Speak to us once again of your great unconditional love for us and for all of humankind. This is your day. We are your children. Gather to hear your word and receive your supper. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> My sermon text for this morning is the gospel lesson, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. My sermon title for today is Reversing Failure. Reversing Failure. I want to speak to that part of you this morning that feels like a failure. That part of you that knows that you have failed. Failed to live up to your parents' expectations. Failed to live out your dreams for yourself. Failed at dating and finding companionship and romance. 
failed as a husband or a wife. Maybe you have divorces behind you or you're stuck in presumably a loveless marriage. Failed as a parent. Failed as a friend. Failed at getting the career you wanted or failed at the career you have. Life has not turned out like you thought or hoped. You didn't sign up for this. And so there are a plethora of emotions swimming around your psyche at all times, and it is exhausting keeping them at bay or sweeping them under the rug so constantly. Anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, exasperation, sadness. A lot of it is anger. Anger at the people or the forces which have prevented you from flourishing. Unrealistic expectations of others, a stubborn spouse or partner who has never gotten you, children who make costly mistakes or don't live up to expectations, that jerk of a boss or a supervisor, societal circumstances and trends which do not favor your gifts and passions and thereby force you to live and work below where you know you belong. If you live like this long enough, the thought will inevitably arise, maybe it's not circumstances, maybe it's not someone else, maybe it's me. Then the anger dissipates somewhat and along with it, the energy that accompanied it, and a deeper melancholy, sadness, creeps in. Maybe it's me. I have failed. And that verb quickly becomes a noun. That outcome easily morphs into an identity. I am a failure. They say Jesus identifies with us. Not just that he gets us, not just that he understands us, but that he actually identifies with us. This sentiment is based on such scriptures as those found, for example, in the New Testament book of Hebrews. And I quote, Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise, partook of the same nature. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren, again, you and me, in every respect. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who have similar experiences. Jesus identifies with us. I wonder if he identifies with our sense of failure. I wonder if he felt like he failed his mother when he left home to become an itinerant rabbi and forsook all the duties of the eldest child, leaving her to fend for herself back home in Nazareth. I wonder if later he felt like he failed that Syrophoenician woman who was only seeking healing for her daughter by initially referring to her and her whole ethnic group of people as dogs, unworthy of the children's food of God's healing power. Which is exactly what he did before having a change of heart 
and healing her daughter. I wonder if he felt momentarily like a failure when he laid his hands on a blind man to restore his sight, only to have the outcome be partial at best and then have to go back and do it all over again. I wonder if he felt that as many people as he healed, he could have healed more. As many people as he revived from the dead, he could have revived more. As many hungry people as he fed, he could have fed more. As many storms as he quieted, he could have quieted more. I wonder if he ever felt something is wrong with me. That he couldn't get more than 12 disciples to follow him. And that of those 12, they would never quite get it. Never quite get his whole teaching, his whole message, since they spent the bulk of their time arguing over who was the greatest and being unable to cast out especially stubborn evil spirits. I wonder if he secretly said to himself, even if to no one else, how could I have appointed as treasurer, as keeper of the money box, the only thief among these 12 people? Now, don't get me wrong. We know Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. But I'm just asking the question, just positing the possibility based upon passages like the aforementioned Hebrews text that perhaps he identified in his flesh with an all too human sense of failure. During this last week of his life here in Jerusalem, what must he have thought when one of the twelve betrayed him for of all things money. What must he have thought when another of the twelve, this one his closest companion and designated leader, denied three times even knowing who he was, just hours after bravely declaring that they would die together? What must he have thought when all twelve deserted him and fled when it mattered the most? On trial alone imprisoned alone facing a crowd demanding his crucifixion and the release of a murderer alone scourged beaten whipped flogged tortured and spat upon alone nailed to a rough hewn wooden cross erected several feet off the ground blood flowing too freely from flayed flesh alone he ends up doing what all of us end up doing when the sensation of failure engulfs and envelops us completely. He cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I wonder if he thought, All this for nothing. Three years for nothing. Miracle after miracle, parable after parable, feeding after feeding, healing after healing, exorcism after exorcism, just to fail in the end. This entire Gospel of Mark originally ended with verse 8 in today's text. After being told that Jesus had been raised and is heading to Galilee and being commissioned to go inform the disciples of this, what do Mary and Mary and Salome do? They flee because terror and amazement had seized them. And rather than spreading this good news, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In other words, they fail. 
They fail to do what they are entrusted to do. They fail to perform the greatest honor God ever bestowed to proclaim Jesus is risen. All of human history, all of salvation history, hinges upon this announcement. Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here at the site of failure. Look, there is where he used to be, failed. But go tell people he is going ahead of you. You will see him just as he said. God Almighty took all the failure and reversed it. God Most High took the failure of the world my failure and your failure and Jesus' apparent failure and reversed it. We don't know when exactly it happened, at what hour of the morning. We just know that it happened. We don't know how it happened. We just know that it happened. We do know, however, why it happened. It happened because God is good. Because God is loving. Because God is merciful. Because God is compassionate. Because God is just. Because God is holy. Because God is righteous. Because God remembers our frame that we are but dust. Because God is sovereign. Because God cares. He cares about Jesus and He cares about you. Because God is able. Because God is powerful. Because God specializes in things thought impossible. Because God brings light out of darkness. Hope out of despair. Life out of death. Faith out of disbelief. Reconstitution out of decomposition. Good out of evil. Love out of hate. Clarity out of confusion. Order out of chaos. Joy out of grief. Healing out of disease. Freedom out of bondage. Liberation out of oppression. Possibility out of impossibility. Generosity out of hard-hearted stinginess. Empathy out of closed minds and hardened perspectives. Sufficiency out of dearth. Abundance out of lack. Provision out of paucity. Water out of a rock. Manna out of dew. Quail out of heaven. Jonah out of a belly's fish's belly, Jeremiah out of a deep well, Daniel out of a lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of a fiery furnace, Rahab out of Jericho, Paul out of prisons and shipwrecks and stonings, Joseph out of prison, Jacob out of divine wrestling, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Hannah all out of barrenness, 
Esther out of fear, Vashti out of injustice, Cain out of revenge, Noah out of a flood, David out of Goliath's grasp, an adulterous relationship, a cover-up murder, the death of a newborn, and a son's rebellion to the throne. Solomon out of folly, Timothy out of cowardice, Onesimus out of slavery, Philemon out of slaveholding, the Hebrew children out of Egypt, Ezekiel out of out of a valley of dry bones, Amos out of Ahaziah's treachery, Gomer out of prostitution, Mary Magdalene out of demonic possession, the Gerasene demoniac out of the cemetery and the tombs, Martha out of workaholism, Zacchaeus out of dishonesty and fraud, restored flesh out of leprosy, blood clots out of a hemorrhaging woman, Joshua out of the shadow of Moses, the prodigal son out of a famine, the good Samaritan out of a bad racist paradigm, Elijah out of a and Jezebel's bloodlust, Moses out of the bulrushes of the Nile, and Simon Magus out of idolatry of money. If it seems like I'm going a long time, you're absolutely right, and that's on purpose. I'm reminding you of the fact that God has been doing God's thing for a mighty long time. These are not exceptions, they are the rule. These are not aberrations or anomalies, they are the norm. This is the character of God which is constant down throughout the generations of history. And you know what else He's going to bring out? You out of skepticism. You out of illness. You out of despair. You out of shame. You out of feelings of inadequacy. You out of addiction. You out of grief. You out of lethargy, inertia, and a lack of commitments. You out of failure. He will bring you out of failure. Maybe you're being too hard on yourself. Or maybe you have failed and failed spectacularly. It doesn't matter. Either way, God will transform it. Just watch. It's happening right now. Jesus is not the only one being raised on a Sunday morning. So are you. Reversing failure. Reversing failure. Amen.